Daddy? Daddy? Will you come play with me and Megan if your headache gets better? No. Oh, well, is your headache better? No, Billy. And it won't get no better. Not till such a time as I get back out on the sea. You see, there's no cure for a clouded mind but the one which comes from the open waters. Except, perhaps, for your mother's singing voice. But she's asleep. Daddy, when do you expect to be getting back out to sea? Not in this life. Not if your mother has her way. The last time I set sail, I could hear her wailing at me to come home all the way from the Ivory Coast. It's what gave me my headache in the first place. Well, maybe while she rests, we could take Megan out to the docks and show her your boat. Megan's never been that way, and it'll cure your biliousness. No. But why not? Megan's mother has a stick up her arse, boy. I believe if she heard we took her daughter to the docks, she'd shit it back out and that'd be the last you ever saw of your Megan. Besides, the docks is no place for a girl like her. Nor a boy like you, boy. Using words like biliousness. Now go. Play. Let an old man rest his head like. Okay. He said no, Megan. Ah, uh, but I really want to see your boat. I know, but he said no. I wanted to play fisherman on it. Maybe we can play another game. Do you know one? Well, there's a game that I play with Michael O'Flanagan, the doctor's boy. What's it called? Doctor. And how do you play? Well, first I lay down on the table like this. Okay. And then you stand over me and inspect me body. Okay. How do I do that? Well, you can start by chucking my heartbeat. Here. Do you feel it? Aye, it feels good. <laughs> what should I check next? The doctor's supposed to know what to do next. I'm not even supposed to talk. Just do what the doctor says. Okay, then. Uh... God, I should have known you wouldn't be making a good doctor, Billy. I wish Michael O'Flanagan were here. Quiet down now. No talking while the doctor examines ye. Okay. Turn over. How does that feel? Good. Megan, it's Mummy. Time to be heading home. Oh, my goodness! Oh, Blarney! Mommy, no, explain, Mrs. So? McGrady. No, one word from you, boy. You can explain it to your half-breed father. Oh, Mrs. McGrady, please. There's no reason for prejudice. What's the meaning of this, What's Molly? What's with this racket? I'm trying to nap before my shift at the gruel factory. I'm sorry, Mum. I'm sorry, Dad. Mr. and Mrs. Malloy, are you aware that this son of yours considers himself to be something of a doctor? What are you talking about? A doctor. A rather thorough one from what I've observed. I should know. I myself am a close friend of Dr. Don Flanagan's. 
Megan has a standing appointment to see him every Friday. Every Friday? Is she sick? Terribly. Now, I've always thought Dr. Flanagan to be the top of his field, but even he isn't so learned in the ways of the body as your son seems to be. I'm sorry, Megan. I'm sorry, Miss Molly. I'm... You're a genius. Mr. and Mrs. Malloy, my Megan has had a stick up her arse since the day she was born. I thought she would die with a stick high, high up her arse until today when I saw your Billy pull it out. Is this true, Billy? You pulled the stick out of her arse, boy. We were just playing. Playing nothing. You were working miracles. Megan, show them the stick. Here, Mr. Malloy. Mrs. Malloy. That could be anyone's stick. There's no way to know if our Billy pulled it out of her. You're wrong on both counts. I'll prove it to you. And just how do you mean to be doing that? I'm going to prove it to you the same way that I've done everything that I've ever done in my miserable bleeding life. With a miserable bleeding stick up me arse. As I'm sure you're well aware, Mr. Malloy, I have a stick up me arse. Mrs. Malloy, you said as much last week. Last Sunday you tried to have the crucifix taken down at St. Peter's because Jesus was wearing sandals to church. I could see the stick up your ass from the podium. Everyone could. I thought everyone would always see the stick up me arse. Till I saw what your Billy did. Now, Billy, I'm going to ask you to do it again. Don't be scared, boy. Just do to me... What you did to me, Megan. Oh, I really don't know about this. Well, I know. I know you can do it because seeing is believing. I believe in you now, Billy. Now show your parents so they can know what I saw. You need to be quiet when the doctor is working. Oh, okay, okay. Now, turn around. The boy must be true. I don't believe it. Believe it. Believe in your boy, Malloy. I don't want to do this anymore. And you won't. Not for free. We could send him to Apprentice with Dr. Flanagan. Flanagan's a hack. There's not a thing he could teach that this boy wasn't born knowing. I'm going to my room. Good. Pack a bag while you're in there. We're shipping you off this island. What? The boy must be trained at the Royal Medical Academy. But we could never afford the Royal Medical Academy. What are you thinking of money at a time like this? Someone has to. I gave up my job, or don't you remember? How am I going to pay for some Royal Academy when you had me tear up my naval license? Well, you'll have to get another. You can't mean it. Our marriage hardly survived my last voyage. If I go out again, I doubt even our Billy could Mom, bring it back. Really, you can't mean what you're saying. Our marriage is for our boy, Mike Malloy. And our boy might be a fucking rare bird. If there was even a one in one million chance that our son could be a one in a million, I'd chance everything on it. Even me. Even you, my love. I should go. You really should. But before I do, I'll say this. The Royal Academy gives out scholarships of all kinds. But they'll never, ever give one to Billy. He's simply too low with you as his simple half-breed parent. Half of what? We're all Irish. And yet, 
both of you will need to take on multiple jobs to pay his way. He was born to help people. And you were born to work double shifts at the glue factory. Your helpless husband must go to sea immediately and indefinitely. Working at a grade of stress which shall inevitably destroy whatever remains of your unfathomable marriage. And of course, I could relieve some of the stress by chipping in. But I just don't feel like it. Mummy, I don't want Billy to go away. Billy doesn't want to go away. But he is going away, sweetheart. So say goodbye. Goodbye forever, Billy. Goodbye forever, Billy. No. Goodbye, my son. Daddy, please. Bye forever, my love. I don't even understand. Am I leaving right now? Now? And of course I was. Dearing me, dear husband, is that really the story of how you came to study at the Royal Academy? I can't believe you never told me. I can't believe I'm telling you now. I suppose in my old age I've succumbed to nostalgia, that most corruptive of diseases. Oh, nostalgia's no disease. Oh, it's a disease, darling. Trust me, I'm a doctor. A most virulent disease and tragically incurable. It's your story that's tragic, my dear William. But I'd be lying if I said it surprised me. Oh? For who could not see you for what you were, even at that young age? And what am I? A healer, of course. Ha! A healer. I fear most of my patients would tell you I'm little more than a diagnostician. A few more still might call me a common drug dealer. They'd be wrong. You're a healer. The greatest of your generation, or any other for that matter. Frankly, I'm surprised the notion makes you laugh. It is not the notion which makes me laugh, my sweet. But the number of long nights which your tragically nostalgic husband has spent wrestling with that very notion. Across the generations, who have our great healers been? The doctors of the Royal Academy. <laughs> oh, now that does make me laugh. The Royal Academy has only existed for a few short centuries. If you were to compress the story of human intelligence into the duration of a single human life, I dare say the history of medicine as we know it would be comparable to one man's trip to the toilet. Before the Royal Academy, who were our great healers? Well, I've heard stories of the medicine men in the Americas. Mm. Savages. Oh, William, let's not have coarse talk before bed. I'm not being coarse. I'm being honest. There's great beauty in honesty, and there's great honesty in savagery. I see it every day. One man wheeled into my operating room, his body in pieces, because God instructed another man to savage him. My Lord William, how can you call that honesty? God does not tell men to savage one another. I fear that's a rather dishonest assessment. What did God ask of Abraham? To what purpose did Poseidon send a leviathan to the shores of Ethiopia if not to savage their people? These are not rhetorical questions, mind you. I ask in earnest, for I myself cannot speak to the will of God. His intentions have been mysterious to me since boyhood. But there's no man living who knows the mind of God. God creates all things for a reason, and his reasons are mysterious for us all. Not to the great healers, not to the savages who learned to cure plague from the whispers they heard in their heads. No, I fear God's voice was clear to them as mine is to you now. 
Tell me, husband, in these long nights when you wrestle with grisly notions, do you hear God's voice whisper in your head? No. It's as I told you, I, I am no great healer. God does not loose his tongue on the ears of diagnosticians and common drug dealers. When I grapple with grisly notions through the long nights, I do so in silence. I am, as ever, completely alone. I'll get it. Good evening, Mrs. Malore. I'm sorry to bother you in the night, but the Surgeon General requests the presence of your husband post-haste. Don't worry, dear. A doctor's wife is accustomed to such intrusions. Tonight she may even invite them. <laughs> Sir William, it grieves me to rush you, my lord, but I do so at the General's behest. You see, he he's acquired something, my lord. Something such as needs your attention. Something? Certainly you mean someone. I'll not be rushed out of bed again for him to exhibit another one of his rare minerals. I can't say for certain, my lord. The general, sir, he, he, he's acquired something. Something such as is not for my eyes. Well, are we leaving now? now? Surgeon General, this echo in your hall is really quite something. Let's not dally. Your company is a pleasure as always, but tonight the pleasure shall be yours. Yes, I dare say it shall. So I hear. Your gopher has been telling me about this remarkable discovery of yours. Oh? And what has he told you? That you've made a remarkable discovery, and he cannot tell me about it, but it must be seen to be believed. So, let us see it. Not it, Sir William. Her. My God, is it? Yes, Sir William. She is a mermaid. I find they are not so beautiful as legend suggests, but I assume an evening in her company will prove quite irresistible to a man of your talent and ambition. I fear the fishmonger's gotten the better of you, old boy. Isn't this just a manatee? A giant manatee, I grant you, but a manatee all the same. There's scars all about its face, if a face you can call it. Any sailor with his salt can gut a beast this size from its mouth. Put your hand on its stomach, Will. I don't understand. I don't feel anything. Precisely. That's my point. So the beast has no internal organs. That's your remarkable discovery? Sir William, feel here. I don't understand. The creature's stomach appears to be... Yes, William. The creature's entire dietary tract is up her butt and around the corner. Is that a skull? Yes. A human head. Completely undigested. Yes. The high cheekbones. There's the jaw. I, I, I can feel the man's skin through the skin of the beast. She's a man-eater. Perhaps her looks are not quite up to our standards. But then we didn't hear her sing. She sang to them? How do you know? Three of the five sailors who discovered her said that her voice sounded like the gates of paradise opening. She sent the other two to those gates directly. 
Decapitated one with a thrust of a tail, ate the other whole. She's hanged to them. She's a mermaid, Will. Believe me. The sailor who gave her those scars said she bled salt water onto their skiff for hours. They nearly capsized. He said were it not for the other men who'd seen her in his company, he'd have believed himself insane. No, she's no beauty, but she is a wonder of the world. A relic from the age of miracles. Just think how many scores of sailors have been lost to the charms of these so-called sirens over the centuries. It speaks to the isolation of their vocation. Indeed. One can scarcely imagine a man who'd seek comfort in the arms of such a beast. I'd count him among the loneliest creatures on Earth. You assume too much. I beg your pardon? Why is it, I wonder, that you've seen fit to bestow this wonder on me, Surgeon General? What is it you imagine I can do for your mermaid? Oh, don't play the fool, William. You know as well as I that you built your career removing sticks from asses. More sticks from more asses than any doctor living. I've heard stories of men with sticks so far up their asses, the shit was coming out of their mouths. They'd gone septic. All they could do was shit talk, but you unburdened them. You dislodged their sticks without once compromising the integrity of a single ass, because that's what God put you on earth to do, William. I beg you, this is what God put you on earth to do. What did God put me on earth to do? I haven't removed a stick from an ass in decades. I diagnose them now. I administer pills to cope with the pain. I take them myself most days to dull the sting of a question without an answer. What did God put me on earth to do? The day I figure that out is the day I pull a stick from an ass for you. Not a moment sooner. I'm not asking you to pull a stick from a person's ass, Sir William. I'm asking you to remove a harpoon from the ass of a god. To what end? This creature is dead. Put your head right here. Where? Here. Do you hear that? Yes. What is it? It's her heartbeat. No. Her heart is... Up her ass and around the other corner, yes. But how is this possible? It's not possible. It simply is. And that harpoon is cutting off her blood flow. She's not dead, but she will be if you don't get that harpoon from way, way, way up her ass. You say you have a question for God, Sir William. I have a proposition. Save her, then ask. Send your gopher for my instrument, Surgeon General. We're going into surgery. I knew it. Sir William, you've never let me down. I'm going to wash up. You take account of all the creature's notable extremities and when I return, we'll operate. Let us see. The creature is a mammal, but from no genus known to me. I'm no marine biologist, but on closer inspection, the beast seems closer to a waterfowl than a manatee, as I previously surmised. The teeth are serrated, thin, and comb-like. 
I'd think it rather unlikely they should be strong enough to chew or pulverize meat, yet the sailors claim she ate a man whole. Of course, they also claim she sang to them. Seems to bring new meaning to the old phrase of a big fish story. Still, I can feel the outline of a man's head in her digestive tract. Seeing is believing, somebody told me that once. Though I suppose I myself have only felt it. Oh, well, I'm rambling now. The heartbeat is weak, but I can start to hear it when I press an ear close to her ass. Heartbeat feels good. In fact, <laughs> it feels very good. Oh, you're a strong old girl, yes? You did sing to them, didn't you? <laughs> Those lonely sailors, yes, I believe you did. <laughs> Naughty girl, why? Why did you sing to them? Were you hungry for dinner? Or were you lonely like them? I suppose not. One does not eat someone whose company they desire. But then who is to say that isn't how a god expresses their love? Saturn ate his children, didn't he? And everyone loves their children. In their own fashion, I suppose. I never had any children. Did you? <laughs> how about it? I'm game if you are. <laughs> a joke. Do you joke as well as you sing, my goddess? Let your heart flutter if you think I'm funny. Oh, my. Your heart fluttered. Here, flutter again if you understand me. Was that a flutter? Do you understand me? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm asking far too much of you. You may well be dying. And I'm sure I've played my part in boring you to death. Pity that a god should lie here dying as a half-breed stands over and examines her. Are you a god, dear girl? That I must know. Flutter your heart if the answer is yes. Huh. You've not done it. How like a god to not do what's asked of you. Well, you've, you've not listened to me all my life. Why would you start now at the end? No, no. That's dramatic. My life has not ended whether or not I've wished it would. And your life is not over. Not if I can help it. Of course, that's one big if. I will do everything in my power, I promise that. That said, my powers, I fear, rival yours only in their mystery. I've been called a great man, you know. Does the notion make you laugh? I'm sure you hold great men in the same esteem with which you would revere great house plans. Less so. I've been called a great healer. Now that's cause to celebrate. For the gift of healing gives one power over life and death. Your power, the power of a god. Now I've never made such a claim about myself, but there are many who claim I am gifted. They claimed it so often, I confess, that there was a moment, however brief, when I believed it for myself. For a moment, it seemed our shared belief in my powers made them a reality. Perhaps in that way I'm not so unlike a god myself. No, I'm kidding, sacrilege. 
flatter if you think I'm funny. Mm. I'm a bad joke, aren't I? I'm a confidence man with no confidence to speak of. Could a more inconsequential creature ever be conceived? By you, if anyone, O oh God, if a God ye be. Perhaps he be like me, a confidence man, a confidence maiden, in your case. What a pair. I hate to picture you there adrift, alone in your endless ocean, singing your little songs, doing your little tricks so that you can eat. Eat and drift, eat and drift. My, my, perhaps I am a god. Gods and men and manatees, we eat and we drift and we envy each other's oceans. Perhaps it's no more complicated than that. We know no greater purpose. It's the other people who make it complicated. They tell us what we are and why we are, and they believe it so much they make it true. They make us believe them until the long night falls and we are alone. And we remember that, that all we ever were was hungry. Hungry to be sustained. Hungry to be loved. Hungry to believe. I believe that you are hungry. For connection. Would you like to connect with me? Oh. <laughs> I felt that heart flutter. There it is again. Oh, you do understand me. And maybe I understand you as no other has. I hope you didn't hear what I was saying about your looks to the surgeon. He doesn't understand beauty. Yours are any other kind, but I do. You are like the ocean, harsh and magnificent. But within you, there are still tides of consummate peace. There is a cure to the biliousness of the modern mind. You have cured me. Maybe I can cure you as well. Your teeth are serrated, thin and comb-like. Yet still, I wonder, what does that tongue do? What if I just... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, oh I'm going to cure you. I'm gonna cure you. Oh, 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 you're definitely female. All right, Sir William, I'm ready to operate. Ah, Sir William. Ah, uh, nothing. I, I just, I was just, um, she has serrated comb-like teeth. I see. Gross. Indeed. And to think that poor devil in her belly wanted to make a woman of our girl here. I dare say his punishment befit the crimes of his taste. Oh, I say it as well. I say it louder. Disturbing, isn't it? Gives you a whole other understanding of their line of work. Whose? Seaman. Where? What? No, the seaman. The seaman who found her. One scarcely considers the manners in which they live, but I dare say it's as lonely a line of work as one could conceive. Just think about it. I Don't think about it too hard, old sport. You're starting to sound like one of them. Don't jump ship on me now. <laughs> However, we may tire of our surgeons' lives and our surgeons' wives. We're a lot better off than their lot. Surgeon General, meaning no disrespect, I have an extremely specific process by which I conduct my work. 
It is paramount to my process that you be silent when the doctor is examining ye. The floor is yours, Sir William. Your results are undeniable. How should we begin? Let's turn her over. All right, straining, and there we go. Oh, yes. That's good. Now, now, now tell me, how does that feel? Whoa! Sir William, you've ripped open her digestive tract. I don't believe it. What were you even doing, Sir William? Fumbling around in that ass like a little boy. I can hardly believe your reputation. She's alive. Oh, the head. Look at the head. It's fallen out of her stomach. The head? Watch out for her tail. The head. The head. Her tail, Will. Why, she's shoving it up your... Your ass. Oh! No, William, your poor ass. She's, she's... My God, she's pulled the stick out of your ass, William. No, your ass, Will. She's pulled the stick out of your ass that had been there for years. It's a miracle, Will. You don't understand. Hold your dramatic. What is it? What is it about the head? The head of the fisherman. It's my father's head. And that is how it happened. Damn, Billy. Is that really the story of how you came to die? I can't believe you never told me. Believe it, the devil. Man, that's absolutely incredible. But it's not hard to believe. Yes, well... Yeah. So, what shall we do for the rest of eternity? Now? Now we're gonna play doctor. <laughs>